Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 24 about the Hebrew word debar and how it means a critical issue or important matter, which is a mission that Eleazar was on in finding a bride for Isaac and that we are on in delivering the gospel. Now, we want to encourage you to download this message today at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Download or listen to all the messages from Friendship with God and Tom Cantor for free at our website, again, friendshipwithgod.org. And also, you can download the iTunes podcast of Friendship with God and get all the messages free on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, Passover will soon be here as well as Easter. And Tom Cantor has incredible teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. We want to encourage you to pick up this teaching on the Passover to give to any Christian or to a Jewish unbeliever at Passover time to help them see the truth and evidence of the scriptures in who the Messiah really is. Now, if you've never really studied the Passover and the importance of someone having their own personal lamb and the Jewish customs behind the Haggadah, we want you to pick up the personal relevance of the Passover from Tom Cantor. This teaching is yours and available for a gift of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. We'll send this to you. So call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. And like Eliezer, we do ask a lost person the same words of verse 49. We say, tell me, tell me. And just as the family was telling, really, Abraham through Eliezer, and so lost people tell their response to the gospel to God through us. And even though we're just like Eliezer, we're knocking ourselves out, and just like Eliezer, we're the ones who are pouring our hearts out to them in a plea for them to be saved. Just like Eliezer, we're the ones who so oftentimes travel to bring the gospel to the lost. And just like Eliezer, we're the ones who are praying to God for the lost to be saved. And just like Eliezer, we're the ones who are anxious about it all to bring our message, the gospel message to the lost. And, and just like Eliezer, we're the ones who are asking for the decision to whether or not to receive the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior. And just like Eliezer, all the lost here is from us and all the lost see is us. But just like Eliezer, we would never say to the lost, just look at all I've done and all I've said to persuade you to become a believer. Now, are you going to be kind and true to me <laughs> and receive the Lord Jesus? Tell me, tell me. We'd never say that. And just like Eliezer, we'd never say something like that. Because just like Eliezer, even though we've knocked ourselves out, etc., we make it crystal clear that the answer that the lost give is to God. It's to God himself, directly to God. But Eliezer asked for an answer to the invitation. And God's asking for an invitation to the gospel, to an answer to the invitation of the gospel. But the answer is to God. And so they go through Eliezer to God. They go through us to God. That's why Eliezer described the family's answer in such a concise, important way for us personally. When he said, and now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. If not, tell me. Now, when you look at the last part of verse 49, where it says there, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left, you might say, now wait a minute. What you just said was that Eliezer was all involved and engaged in persuading the family to let Rebecca go. So if that's true, then why does he say, if you don't send Rebecca to me, then I'll just move on my way. I'll go to the right hand, I'll go to the left hand. Why did he say that? 
That's another form of persuasion. He's telling them, he says, uh, he's trying to get them to agree. He's telling them, he said, listen, you've got a window of opportunity here, and it's closing. Because uh, I'm going to move on, and I'm taking my jewels with me also, by the way. Those camels that got all the jewels, they're coming too. And that's a form of persuasion when he said that he was prepared to take all the gifts and move on to the next candidate. And there were other candidates, you know, because we know that Bethuel, who was the father of Rebekah, was not the only son of Abraham's brother, Nahor. As a matter of fact, in addition to Bethuel, Nahor had seven more sons with his wife, Milcah, and then he had four other sons with his concubine. Eliezer's got a few to choose from here. So there's 11 more sons that Eliezer can go to and search for the wife for Isaac. And so that's what Eliezer's referring to when he says in the end of verse 49, you know, if you don't decide to send Rebekah with me to become Isaac's wife, I've got other options. And so at the end of verse 49 is when Eliezer, he stops. This is the end of his speech. He stops speaking, and now he says, the ball is in your court. Tell me, tell me, the demand of the answer to the invitation, and now Eliezer's silent. And what we see in verse 50 is the response of the family, particularly Laban, a very outspoken brother, and Bethuel. It says, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. See, the first thing we note in the response from Rebekah's father, Bethuel, and her brother is a response that kind of surprises us a little bit because it shows, well, first of all, as I said, it shows that Laban was a pretty strong character, which we'll find that out later, a lot of influence. But when it says that in verse 50, then Laban and Bethuel answer, we can see here that there's a perfect agreement between Laban and Bethel. There's no dissension. There's no disagreement. Well, you know, hang on, Eliezer, and just give us a break while we go powwow about this a little bit. I don't know if we're all on the same page. You don't get that. You get that they're both in perfect agreement. And this is a great encouragement for Eliezer, for him to see this perfect agreement. Behold, how good, how pleasant it is for Laban and Bethuel be together in unity. Great encouragement. And then they say their decision in verse 50. Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto the bad or good. Now we've seen that the direction that Eliezer has been is to get the family to see it's not about me, it's about Abraham for Rebekah to become Isaac's wife. So Eliezer's been working hard to make this clear that the issue is not that Eliezer wants Rebekah to become Isaac's wife. The issue is Abraham wants Rebekah to become Isaac's wife. So Laban and Bethuel have gotten the message that the issue is not Eliezer's desire for Rebekah to be the wife. Eliezer has been telling them it's Abraham that wants this. And so in verse 50, who does Laban and Bethuel see as the person who wants Rebekah to become the wife? The Lord. We're talking about Abraham. Now all of a sudden it's the Lord. That's wonderful. Eliezer's just thrilled with their response because their response shows he's been successful at getting the family to look beyond Eliezer. And what's so thrilling was that the family has not only looked beyond Eliezer, the family has looked beyond Abraham. And now they see it's the Lord who wants Rebekah to be Isaac's wife. I mean, Eliezer couldn't have felt more satisfied, more fulfilled with their words and to hear them say, this thing has come from the Lord. And these words did Eliezer a lot of good. This does me good. Eliezer said, this does me good to hear them say, the thing proceeds from the Lord. And they said at the end of verse 50, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good. 
Now, what did they mean when they said, you know, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good? Well, first of all, we need to understand that the Hebrew word tucked behind this word, the English word thing, is our word debar. Debar, we talked about. The English word thing doesn't really carry the power of the Hebrew word debar. I never would have chosen the word thing, but then the translators would never asked me. <laughs> but anyway, you remember that this word debar is the same word that Eliezer used when the translators translated the word errand in verse 33. I never would have done that either. And again, they didn't ask me for that as well, but okay. When he said, I will not eat until thou told mine errand. See, that's debar. And we saw that the word debar means a critical issue, an important matter. I think I I told you about my friend, Dr. Sheraton, Chaim Sheraton, who's the chief of nephrology over at New York Hospital, Long Island Jewish. And I was there with him one time, and we were sitting in a room and waiting for him to come in because we were going to have a meeting about the test. Anyway, and I was seeing that, and all of a sudden, he throws the door open, Dr. Sheraton does, and he walks in the room, and he goes like this, what's the issue, what's the issue, what's the issue? (laughs) That was his MO, you know, what's the issue? He just walks around saying, what's the issue, because everybody has an issue, especially a Jewish hospital, lots of issues. Anyway, so what's the issue, you know? Is this a word to bar? What's the critical issue? And so that's why it's a very important word. It's the second word that's used in the book of Deuteronomy. So in Hebrew, the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of Moses, is not called Deuteronomy. It's called Devarim, God's Critical Matters. That's what the title of the fifth book is, God's Critical Matters. Deuteronomy means the law for the second time, like it's some kind of repetition. Again, the translators didn't ask me, so what can you do? The point is, is that the word debar means a critical issue or a matter. So what Laban and Bethuel are saying in verse 50 is that the thing, the debar, the critical issue, the critical matter is coming right from God. And it's an important matter. And you remember that Eliezer, he started his speech by telling him, I'm not going to eat until I've told my debar, my debar, my critical issue, my important matter. And now Laban and Bethuel are saying that they see how critical an issue this was with Eliezer. They see how important a matter it was. And what they're saying in verse 50 is that they see that the critical issue and the important matter is not from you, Eliezer, it's from God. It's God's critical matter. It's God's issue. And when they saw this debar, this critical issue was from God, then they say, well, we can't say anything bad or good. We cannot make a judgment statement about the proposal for Rebecca to be Isaac's wife. They had no judgment statements. They couldn't say anything good. They couldn't say anything bad. All they said, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good. You know, they were saying God doesn't need us to approve or disapprove of what he wants to do. They saw all the comments stopped at the debar proceeds from the Lord. I mean, who were they compared to God? In essence, they were saying, we're talking about God here. We're talking about what God sees as a critical matter. It doesn't matter what we think. We're not so foolish as to get into the judgment chair here and comment on what God is doing. God's ultimate debar, his ultimate critical matter is the gospel. That's God's ultimate critical issue. The issue that man from his sin, has incurred the wrath of God that will cause man to be cast into a hell where he will suffer eternally. That's a real debar. 
That's a real critical issue. And God's debar, God's important matter that he wants everyone to hear is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, John 3.16, that's God's debar. That's his critical issue. And when the lost do not see John 3.16 as God's debar, when the lost do not see that they will personally perish into a state of eternal suffering and lose their opportunity for everlasting life by not believing into the Lord Jesus Christ, then they relegate the matter to it's a matter of religion. It's a matter of philosophy. It's a matter of discussion. It's a matter of Christianity, a world religion among many world religions. And they do this because they don't see the gospel as God's critical issue in their lives. And when a person in their unbelief sees his lost condition as the ultimate debar and God's open invitation to believe into the Lord Jesus Christ and not perish, have everlasting life as God's ultimate solution debar, then he'll say about the gospel the words of verse 50, the gospel comes from the Lord. We can't make any judgment statement about it. And like Laban and Bethel, when a person sees the statements in the gospel, they come from God, he's not going to make any judgments about the gospel. When a person sees the gospel comes from God, and that part especially about that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, he's not going to say something like, I don't think it's fair for God to hold natives in Africa, as if he's so concerned about the natives in Africa, responsible for their sins, because they doesn't even know the natives in Africa anyway, because they don't know as much as we do. You know, last week I was asked a question by a Jewish person that I do not like to be asked, I do not like to give an answer to, and it is the question, why did God allow the Holocaust to happen to the Jewish people? And my response was that the answer to that question is above my pay scale. (laughs) That's a judgment statement about God. God allowed it to happen. That's where it starts. That's where it ends. I cannot speak about the Holocaust, good or bad, bad or good. Same thing, verse 50. And all I can say is that God allowed it to happen, and that finishes my commentary on why the Holocaust happened. And this is what Laban and Bethuel were saying in verse 50. It's a debar with God. It's a critical matter with God that Rebekah go with you and become Isaac's wife. And so it doesn't matter what we think. We cannot and we will not say anything good or bad about it. It's a debar with God. And so Laban and Bethuel said that they would not say anything about this proposal to take Rebekah away with Eliezer and become Isaac's wife. I mean, let's think about what what Laban and Bethuel might have said that was bad about Rebekah going away then with Eliezer becoming the wife. I mean, they could have said, you know, that's bad. That's a bad idea. Decide right then if Rebecca should go. I mean, they didn't even have any time to get to know Eliezer. Or maybe his men with the camels. They didn't even have time to get to know the camels, for that matter. <laughs> it's all happened so fast. It's all happened too fast. I mean, it's just this afternoon, Eliezer. We just met you and your men. And now you expect us to just give up Rebecca like that one short meeting this afternoon? That's it? No, we're not going to allow our Rebecca to be taken away by you to marry someone after we've just met you, the servant of Abraham. We don't have time to think about it. So we think it's a bad for us to decide right now, let Rebecca go with you to become Isaac's wife. We haven't any time to think about it. They might have thought that. They might have thought about, what about the void in our workforce? She's a pretty good worker. I mean, you know, she's good in camel water or nothing else, you know. Let her go. Who's going to bring the water? You know, I'm sure Laban was thinking that. 
But because they saw it came from God for Rebekah to be Isaac's wife, says we have nothing to say. No good, no bad, no good. See, they could have said, it's bad, it's a bad idea. You know, we and Rebecca, we've never even met this man Isaac. Who is this man Isaac? You know, can he see well? Does he look good? You know, is he tall? I mean, is he fat? We don't know. We will not allow our Rebecca to be taken away to marry someone that neither we nor she has never met before. We think it's a bad idea for Rebecca to just go become this wife who someone never met before. Yeah, because they saw it was from God for Rebecca to become Isaac's wife, they didn't say anything bad. They could have said it was bad because Abraham lives so far away. We're never going to see Rebecca again. We may not see our grandchildren, our nieces, nephews. We think it's bad for Rebecca to go to become a man's wife so far away. But they saw it was from God. Nothing bad to say. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just a moment. We'd like to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's available for free signing up with your email by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program. You can also call us now or after the program with your support and donation at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. It'll help us to continue airing on this station in your city. You can also call us for a free gift for a lost Jewish friend that you know that needs to be reached with the gospel. Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries will give you a free gift to reach your lost Jewish friend, and that's made available by your donations and your support, but we'll provide that free if you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel. Call us at 800-247-3051. They could have said, You know, Abraham, we're not sure about this fellow, Abraham. He left our homeland. He rejected our homeland. He rejected our people. He was unpatriotic. And we're afraid that if Rebecca goes, she's going to become like that too. And so we don't think it's good to let you take her. But they saw us from God, nothing bad. They could have said, Abraham, what land does he own, Abraham? A grave? You know, they're not going to live in a grave. So, you know, he doesn't even own any land. He has no land in possession. He's kind of strange. He never settles down. He just lives in these tents. He moves from place to place. So what's the matter with him? He can't even decide where he wants to live. Now, we don't want our Rebecca to live like that in other people's lands, always moving around from place to place. We have land here. No land? That's bad. Bad. We're not going to let her go. No? So, came from God. We have nothing bad to say. See, when verse 50, when they say, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good, they were saying they would not raise any of those issues or any other issues or problems for letting Rebecca be taken away to become Isaac's wife. And the reason was because they saw it was from God. And that settled everything. They had nothing to say. They submitted to God. They trusted God for Rebecca. And their trust in God for Rebecca's safety was seen in their silent consent to let Rebecca go. Now freeze that picture in your mind in verse 50 there of them not raising any bad things about Rebecca but going because they thought it was from God. When a person sees God in the gospel invitation to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will not raise problems. Just as Laban and Bethuel did not raise issues with any of these issues or these problems with Rebecca going away with Eliezer become Isaac's wife, because they saw it was from God, same is true for a lost person. All the arguments stop 
why it's bad for him to become a believer. When a lost person sees God in the gospel, he'll be just like Laban and Bethuel, and he'll say, I'm not going to raise the issue of evolution. You know, the scientists say no. Am I going to become a non-scientific person? If I become a believer, he won't raise that. When a lost person sees God making the gospel invitation, he won't raise the issue of translations. You know, the skeptics say we can't know because there's so many translations. Which translation do you want me to rely on? When a lost person sees that God is in the gospel invitation, he's not going to raise the issue of denominations. You know, every denomination says they're right. Which one do you want me to join if I become a believer? See? And all kinds of things. When he sees that God's in the gospel, he's not going to raise the issue of music. Exactly which music here do I have to stop listening to? How do I have to dress now? Uh, that's not so much an issue today, but anyway, it was. You know, if I become a believer. Sunday? You know, like, uh, I have things I like to do. What do I have to do now on Sunday if I become a believer? Because for all these things, when God is seen, all the arguments go out the window. And the person has nothing to say, good, bad, or good, other than the thing proceeds from God. person's trust in God is seen in his silent consent to bow his head, give his, the past of his sin with his heart, all of its brokenness, and with his future of all of his uncertainties to God. And all the arguments are silenced. He bows his head, he prays the sinner's prayer and for forgiveness, and he dedicates himself to God. That's why it's so important for us to see how that one statement follows the other in verse 50. The thing proceeds, the debar proceeds from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. And by the way, verse 50 is valuable today because there's another reason why verse 50 is so important because there is a tragic rate in the church of failed marriages. Believers get married. They have all the love and the good prospects imaginable. They've got supporting families. They've got supporting friends. They have a good church. They have a good pastor. And they get divorced. And everyone's at a loss. They memorized all the verses they should have. They were faithful in their church attendance. They were keeping up in their devotions and their Bible reading. Yet their marriage failed. And many Christians today are afraid to get married because they see this and they never thought that that marriage would have failed. Just like that, they don't know why. Verse 50 is important because it gives us the only assurance for a successful marriage among believers with the words, the thing, this thing proceeds from the Lord. And what was the thing they're talking about? A marriage between Rebecca and Isaac. This marriage is a proceeding from the Lord. And that's the only assurance that a person can have for a successful marriage is the knowledge that the marriage of this individual with that individual, it comes from God. It's proceeding from God. It's the absolute essential basis for an assurance of a successful marriage. And too often, well-meaning, matchmaking friends or family say of a new marriage, we as matchmakers, we, 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 have, we, have, joined, uh, what, what, we have joined them together. So what we as matchmakers have joined together, let no man put asunder. <laughs> and too often, too madly, and people are madly in love and passionately in love with each other, saying that what we as a couple in love have joined together, let no man put asunder. But the Lord Jesus taught us the only assurance for a successful marriage is when it can be said, as he did in Matthew 19, 6, what therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And that's not to say that God's got a loose stamp of approval. He said, well, you, well, okay, I'll approve you. He's not the justice of the peace that he does. You want to get married? Good approval. A marriage will succeed if it is clearly seen 
as God joining together. And that's why verse 50 is so important because the statement between uh, uh, the statement here about Laban and Bethuel, about this marriage, the thing proceeds from the Lord, that's their statement. They were confident that God was joining them together. And what Laban and Bethel said in verse 50 is what's so missing today, and that's why there's a high rate. It's because many believers just say, we're deeply in love with each other, our parents are for the marriage, our pastor is for the marriage, and what has God got to do with it? <laughs> what do we need God for? We've got the ma- God's the first matchmaker of Adam and Eve. He's never stopped joining couples together. That's why it's so important to ask the verse 50 question, does this marriage proceed from the Lord? And what objective evidence do we have that this marriage is the work of God joining together? So the verse 50 has great value for marriages. Now, we see that once Laban and Bethuel have come to realize that the marriage between uh, Rebekah and Isaac is from the Lord, then they say, give their decision in verse 51. Behold, Rebekah is before thee, take her, go. Let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. See, they were so convinced that the marriage between Rebekah and Isaac came from God, that they have an instantaneous response in verse 51. Behold, take her, she's before you, take her, go, right then. Now what did Laban and Bethuel say for Eliezer to do in verse 33? The word that they said is the verb form of debar. In other words, they were saying at the end of verse 33, when they started off the speech, Way up in the beginning of this chapter, in verse 33, they said, go ahead and speak your debar. Tell us your critical matter. Now, who had Laban and Bethuel just heard make a speech? It was Eliezer. So who just spoke it? It was Eliezer. Another day of incredible teaching here on Friendship with God. If you'd like to download this message for free, you can do so at friendshipwithgod.org. Download this message for free or listen to it. You can also find it on iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, if you're listening online or driving on the go, we'd like you to support this Bible teaching radio program that edifies. Support Friendship with God by going online to friendshipwithgod.org and donating online or calling 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.